Good morning. I'm glad to be here with you. Let's see if we can coordinate this. All right. Ooh, and a light and everything. <laughs> My name is Joyce, and I am friends with Joy Inglesman, and she is friends with you. That means we're friends. <laughs> so she is very dear. I just think the world of her. And um, in talking with her about um, this body that she's been a part of, things that you're going through, you are very dear to her. And you are to each other as well. So I count it an honor to just drop in today and get to be part of what God's doing here. Um, I think about, I was trying to look it up. There's a verse in uh, Hezekiah that says, do not despise the day of small things. And I don't know if you feel like when you come in today that you count and you think, this is small. But things in scripture happen that start small or that are in a small place. And I love that word, do not despise it. Do not despise the day of small things. We don't know what God's going to do with you, with this body, the fact that you show up today, that you're here for each other. Um, even for um, Vanny, right? Is that how you say it? You're hurting this morning. You're in pain. So thank you for telling us that. And we will pray for you. Okay. Um, I, do I have my PowerPoint up? Um, like Tim said, we serve with Cadence International, Ministry to the Military. We're in the United States and also Europe and Asia. About 200 staff in about 50 locations. And many of our ministries are hospitality houses where a couple or a family will go open their home near a boat, uh, post or a base and uh, have Bible studies, home-cooked meals, adventures, discipleship, mentoring from that. And we work alongside the chapels, too, in the chapel program. Are any of you vets in here? Have any of you served? Thank you. So what we found through the years, my parents are some of the founders of this organization, is just when military people get to know Jesus, like, they're already in a lifestyle of obedience, discipline, uh, teamwork, sacrifice. And they're already in this mode of, I'm about something that's bigger than me. And when they come to know Jesus and they're part of his kingdom and his body, something bigger than them, they just tend to understand that quickly. Also, they understand being on mission and being mission ready. And then God takes them. We don't get more than three years usually with, with people in our ministry. Sometimes it's only six months, depending. Like if the Marines go over to Camp Hansen in Okinawa, we have a hospitality house there. Some of them will only be there for six months, but that can change their life because they're young, they're away from home, they're lonely. And then when God gets a hold of their hearts, it changes the whole trajectory of their life and their family. So we consider that a great privilege. Um, all right, I understand that you have different guest preachers, and then next week you'll have the same one for a few weeks. Is that, do I understand correctly? So yeah, okay, great. Great. 
So I'm kind of excited I get to, you know, get in on this little space where, where there are different people coming in. Uh, and I listened to some of Yvonne's message last week, and I thought, well, this is interesting. It seems like God's kind of weaving these things together like he tends to do, even though we're not coordinating. So I'm curious what it's going to be like for you to hear what I have to share with you today and maybe how it fits in to what God's already doing. We are going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the last part of chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and here's the thing with doing parts of chapters. You understand that when these letters were written back in um, the first century, this one in particular, that there weren't numbers separating the chapters and there weren't headings separating the, uh, the ideas. So I feel really comfortable going from one section of chapter two of Second Thessalonians into the third chapter because there is a flow of thought that we don't want to miss. So I'm going to read you the verses that we're going to look at. And I hope I pushed the clicker at the correct time. But we all always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this. That's the title of my message. He called us to this. Through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word or every good work and word, some versions say. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Lord God, we, we're just going to say it out loud that we want you, we need you, we want to hear from you, we want to feel your touch. We've prayed for that already, and we're praying it again. And so speak to us through your word, and I also want to lift up um, Vanny for your healing hand, for wisdom, and for comfort in her pain. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. In August, David and I were in California for the celebration of 50 years of one of our hospitality houses. It's been in that place near Travis Air Force Base for 50 years. And some people came that had been there through the years, and there was a woman there who came from Texas. Her name's Cindy. And as we were having this celebration, about 80 people were there. And she, uh, it was testimony time, and she stood up and she said, I got saved in 1975 right about there. 
And she pointed to right where I was sitting. I was kind of like, but she could point to the place where God got a hold of her life when she was a young airman. On her name tag, she wrote, she wrote her name, Cindy Zuli, saved in 1975. And just like Cindy pointed to a spot in the living room where she was saved, the Apostle Paul knows right where he was when he got saved in about 34 AD. The story's recorded in Acts 9, and it starts with this. Saul uttering threats with every breath and eager to kill the Lord's followers. And uh, last week, Yvonne read from the translation for First Nations about this passage. So Saul has a very dramatic conversion. He can point to the place. This is where I got saved. This was the year. This was the time. Saul's name is changed to Paul, and about 14 years later, in Acts 17, we find Paul in the city of Thessalonica. It's where he and Silas went after being persecuted, put in prison in Philippi, and miraculously freed. In Thessalonica, there was trouble, so they went to Athens, then they went to Corinth, and there they met Priscilla and Aquila. Does that sound familiar? And then Silas and Timothy joined him there, and they faced persecution and trouble. Acts 18, 9 through 11 says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching the word of God. In one verse, we have a year and a half. I think sometimes when we read the scripture, we think it's all just action, action, especially in the book of Acts. Boom, boom, boom. And we wonder if they had any kind of boring, normal days because we have a lot of them. But in this one verse, we throw in a year and a half. So time, time is woven between these pages, sometimes a lot of time. And I want us to remember this morning that time is also woven into our stories. And sometimes we'd like for things to happen a little faster. But in that year and a half that Paul was in Corinth with Timothy and Silas, some things happened. Part of which is that he wrote the book, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. So it's about 51 AD now. And the verses that we're looking at come from that time. When he, that one verse, when he's in Corinth for a year and a half, this book, 2 Thessalonians, comes out of it. Now I want to briefly look at what goes on before the verses we read and after, because we just kind of have to locate ourselves. You know the little you are here thing that we find? Where are we? So I'd like to just locate ourselves in the, we just located ourselves in the grand story that we're in Acts, we're around 54 AD, Sorry, 51. And, uh, and now in 2 Thessalonians. In chapter 1, we learn that the Christians in Thessalonica are being persecuted and they're suffering for their faith. And Paul writes, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. And we learn in the first chapter that something else is happening. Some Christians are being deceived by false teaching and it's causing them to panic. And we have apocalyptic language. People are distracted, alarmed, running around, shaken. 
So in chapter 1, people are suffering, and some other people are shaken. And then we're going to talk about these verses in the middle. But then in chapter 3, we meet Christians who are messing around. Paul calls them busybodies. You know, it's kind of a fun word. <laughs> a lot of movement and not a lot of productivity. They're scattered. And Paul says, these people are not our enemies, but don't take your cues from them. Does any of this sound familiar to where we're located today? We're located on this planet, and even in this place, in the midst of people who are suffering, in the midst of people who are shaken, and maybe in the midst of people who are messing around. So what is it that we're called to in the middle of this pasture? Pa pasture. Yeah, it's a pasture. Passage. <laughs> in the middle of this passage of 2 Thessalonians, he says, you are called to this. I believe it's to hold our space and keep moving forward with Jesus. To keep moving forward in our stories. To be saved, stand firm, and stay the course. When I say hold, my, hold your space, here's what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like going like this. It's a little more than just our bodies, but our bodies are part of our space. Our minds are our space. Our hearts are our space, our relationships, our home, our job, our choices. That's all my space. And I need to hold my space, my age, my generation, my story. And in that, I want to keep moving forward toward Jesus and with Jesus in my space. First of all, he called us to be saved and share in his glory. Chapter 2, verse 10, but we, uh, sorry, verse 13, we always ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We mentioned Paul's dramatic conversion. And some of you have stories like that. And we need to hear your stories. But some of us have very undramatic stories. And we need to hear those as well. I was uh, almost four when I knelt beside my bed during family devotions one night. And I said, dear Jesus, please come into my heart. And God took me seriously. And he came in by his spirit and he's never left me. And whether your story is dramatic or simple, it's a love story. Because even though mine wasn't dramatic in terms of a before and after and a, a major turning away, it was dramatic in terms of eternity. Because God took me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He took me from being on my own to belonging to him. He took me from just life on this earth to life everlasting with him. That's dramatic. There's a verse in Psalms that says, he lifted me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock. And it took years before I realized there are little footprints in that miry clay that are mine. 
And he took me from that, and he set my feet on a rock. It goes on to say, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. God's love is a love that keeps pursuing us, but that also gives us freedom to choose. It's a love that laid down his life for us by dying on the cross, conquering death, and coming back to life on earth. One of my young friends introduced me to a young artist and poet on Instagram. I do Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. I don't do whatever, X, yeah. <laughs> and I don't do, twi I don't do TikTok. But anyway, um, in my generation, we have a lot to learn from the younger generations. And they have a lot to learn from us. And something that I think I need to keep learning from my young friends and our children, our grown children who are in their 20s and 30s, is they have this understanding about love that, that I don't just naturally get in the same way. So I'm going to read a poem by a young artist and poet. I think he's in his 30s. And just hear how he talks about God's love. I'm going to show you the um, Instagram story, and you're not going to be able to read it. So don't worry. Just, just see it, and I'll read it for you, okay? Let me tell you something about my Jesus. By definition, he is love, and love is patient. Therefore, he's not in a hurry. He is the God who designed eternity and the one who invites you into it. As cosmically important as he is, he's got time. His love is interruptible. You're not an inconvenience, for he is unconditional. He has no office hours, but holds every hour in his hand. He'll hold back the sun. Whoops. Here we go. Yep. He'll hold back the sun if it means more time with you. For his mercy is new every day, but he's less in a rush to get to that day as he is to get close to your heart. When you're having a late night breakdown, he doesn't lament his lack of sleep. For you are his resting place. When it's impossible to get out of bed in the morning, he doesn't resent you. For you are his reward. Day or night, a year or several, he doesn't grow weary of being good. He doesn't regret you. He receives you. Just as you are, because he already knows who you're going to be. Because he doesn't just hold you now. He is holding you always. He held you as a child when you were scared at night, and he holds you as an adult when you thought those fears were over. He holds your future when you tell your children there is nothing to fear. And God is patient, and God is love. So he's not going anywhere, not without you. It's by Anthony Garola, written this year. I believe God has called us to be saved and share in his glory, to believe in him, whether we're suffering, scared, shaken, or messing around, because being saved is part of us holding our space and moving forward in our story with Jesus. And he called us to stand firm. 
Again, I'm reading from the last part of chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3. I don't know if this has happened to you, but I've given a Bible to some friends before where they haven't had a Bible. And uh, I was having a a Bible study with three of our daughter's friends who didn't have a Bible. And we gave them each a Bible, and I said, okay, here's what you need to know. It's a wild and crazy book. Like, it's not PG. It's not PG-13. And... It's not necessarily chronological. It is for a while, but then some other books fit underneath it like this in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So you show them the the table of contents because that's pretty important. And then there's this navigation system with big numbers and little numbers. So I explained those. And one of the gals goes, "Ah, so that's what a tattoo of John 3.16 means. I was like, she'd wondered. You know, she'd seen it on football players. And (laughs) anyway, so... uh, the Bible is pretty cool, but we're going we're gonna to read from um, chapter 2, verse 15, to 3, verse 4. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you're doing and will continue to do the things we command. I just finished my fourth semester in the doctoral program at Denver Seminary, as Tim shared with you. Um, In one of my classes this summer, the professor asked us to prepare and share with the class some of our spiritual practices that we would recommend for everybody else. And my classmates talked about regular morning prayer walk, a monthly day with God, a yearly spiritual retreat, fasting, daily journaling. And I don't do any of those, really. (laughs) And I was last to share, and I was kind of glad. And those things are wonderful. And they are to be recommended. But my spiritual practices were kind of like my non-dramatic conversion. I think they're simple and pretty powerful. So I'm going to share them with you and recommend them to you. I'm just going to share a few thoughts about the Bible, about church, about prayer, about God. Okay, about the Bible. Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Make Make its home in you. So you know where you're at. And if you don't read for a few days, you know exactly where you're going to go back to because you know where you are in the Bible, what you're reading, right? So right now I'm in Titus. I haven't read it the past two days. I was actually at something else. But, but I know where I am. So when I open my Bible to read next, I'm going to be in Titus because right now I'm going through the New Testament. It's not a race. You can stay in one chapter. I stayed in Psalm um, 119 because it's 150 verses for like three months, two verses a day. And it was really fun. So read it. Eat it. The Bible is spiritual food. And um, sometimes it tastes like oatmeal. And oatmeal's good for you. So just eat, you know. And then sometimes it's this beautiful like, whoa, this is amazing. But it's not going to be that way every day. So just eat because we're hungry. And this is how God feeds us is through his word. So eat it. And even snacks. 
if it's, you know, when, if you're a mom of small children, unless you get up really early, which I wasn't able to pull off, um, I had short times. And my mom would say, grab it in the snatches. So I'd just grab a snatch. Like, I'd put a verse above my sink, you know, because I got four kids. And <laughs> anyway, but I just would take the word of God as I could or, or put it in the car or on my mirror. And then listen for God's heart. Remember the grand narrative. And then repeat. I, uh, it, one of my years in college, I worked in the dish room, and the trays would come by with the dirty dishes, and so I put up Psalm 15 on the, on the tile in front of me, and I got to memorize Psalm 15 while I took dirty dishes off the trays, you know? So whatever, just, just keep it in so that it's dwelling. It's a part of your heart. About prayer, uh, the verse was read today. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Here's my philosophy about prayer. Pray anytime, anywhere about anything. I think that's what that verse says. And sometimes we say, oh, I'm not going to bother God with the details. But do you know what the scripture says? It says that he's counted the hair on your head. And then I run a brush through and he recounts. So every single detail matters to him. Pray about anything, anywhere, anytime. Pray like a child. We're welcome into the throne room of the king. Pray like a priest because we are the royal priesthood of believers, First Peter says. And I even like to, as I'm driving along, I like to pray for strangers. Like see somebody stand and go, oh, Lord, I think that person needs just pray for them. Keep driving. I don't stop traffic or anything, but, you know, I have a little time, and I, I just took note, and then I keep driving because I am a priest in the kingdom of God, and I'm supposed to speak blessing over people and pray for them, talk to God about them, talk to them about God, and pray like a warrior because that verse that was read is after the armor of God. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. We have no idea how powerful our prayers are. And that's how we can reach around the world and in the unseen realm that's all around us. We can affect it by our prayers. Okay, about bi the Bible, about prayer, about church, you're all doing it. Show up. That's what Hebrews says. Don't give up meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. So when you show up, think about, um, ask God to give you something, but also ask him what he wants you to give. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a prayer. Something I enjoy doing is during communion, um, as I watch people take communion, I just look around and I pray for somebody's healing. Maybe they need emotional healing, physical, relational. Maybe there's an addiction. I don't even need to know. I just say, God, who do you want me to pray for today? It's fun. Because in Isaiah, it says, by his wounds, we're healed. And then pay attention to the prompts of the Holy Spirit. He might say to you, just as he said to me a couple weeks ago, I was doing a, working on a paper. I needed a coffee break. I was driving to Starbucks, and I drove by the street where we have a neighbor who has terminal cancer. And I heard this. What if they want Starbucks? And I was like, but I'm going to, I don't have time because I'm working on my paper. You know, as soon as you start talking the Lord out of those things, you probably should just do it. 
So I got around a whole block, and then I turned back around, knocked on their door, said, I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want any coffee? And she said, no. How are you? It's really hard. I said, can I pray for you? Yes, please. This is the wife of the man who has cancer. And I could just grab her hands and pray. And then go get my coffee. I learned yesterday that that man's in ICU now. And I feel like I should be able to do more. I mean, I've taken a meal like twice in these months. Not very much. But I can hold them in prayer. And I can pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Listen for God's voice. Because his voice is always clear, kind, corrective, and directive. And it's always dignifying. If you hear a voice that's mean, accusatory, twisting, demeaning, slanderous, that's the voice of the evil one. God doesn't talk like that to his children. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Putting one foot in front of the other is holy work. God takes that perseverance seriously as well. And this takes us to my final point in this passage about how we hold our space and keep moving forward with Jesus, not running around, not messing around, but walking worthy of his calling. He called us to stay the course. We have confidence in the Lord that you're doing and will continue to do these things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. We talked already about God's love in that poem I read to you. But let's think about it again. David and I have five grandchildren so far. The youngest was born this summer, that baby that I'm holding. And here's the thing about this baby. There is nothing he has done to make us love him. He's just here. And he's a person. And I got to be in the room when he was born. And I've done this with every grandchild I've gotten to be in the room with. After his parents say hello, you know, I stand back. <laughs> After his parents have said hello, I lean in and I say, Louis, Grandma loves you so much. And Grandma will always love you. I pick him up and hold him, and I just say, Grandma loves you. Grandma loves you. And it's not because he's walking and talking and being amazing. It's because he's here, and he's a person, and he's loved. For our grandson who was born in India and came home when he was two, I started praying for him when he was in the womb. And the thing that I would pray every time, God, let him know that he's loved. And if my grandma love is any kind of a taste of God's love, then I can tell you that God loves us fiercely. God's love is unconditional, unshakable, undeniable, and unending. May God direct our hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Jesus doesn't ask us to do what he hasn't already done. It's part of the reason he came to us through a womb and a birth, a life, a death, and a resurrection. 
in heaven, he still has a body. That's how much he dignifies our humanness. And I've lived long enough that I've had the privilege of witnessing long and faithful journeys with God. Like those of my parents, other founders of Cadence International, parents of my friends. And two years ago, my dad went to heaven at the age of 95. I had the honor of witnessing his last breath of his earth journey. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. But when he put his faith in Jesus at age 19, he was all in. All the way. All the way till he took his last breath. After he went to heaven, I know you can't read it, so I'll read it for you. Our younger son posted this on his story. Last night, my chainsaw wielding, he, my dad wanted a chainsaw. He got it, we gave it to him for his 90th birthday. So that's after he's 90. Um, my chainsaw wielding, garden raising, road tripping, mountain climbing, people loving, gospel teaching, overall legendary grandpa embarked on his greatest adventure yet. And he had a garden that the neighbors came and bought vegetables. And so he had said to us before, when I go to heaven, you, you need to invite all the neighbors to my memorial service. And so we did. We went around with flyers. We put these signs out on the lawn. And I want you to get just a, a glimpse of, of our family. I am nearing the end. I know it's time. <laughs> our family um, practicing for his memorial service. You're going to see my mom. You're going to see one of my brothers, some of our kids, some of my nieces and nephews, and the next generation. And I want you to see this as a picture of the fact that because you're here and you're holding your space and you're moving forward with Jesus, wherever you are in your story, it matters for generations to come. Whether you have children or not, that's not the point because your story your influence, your witness, your prayers, your priestly blessing, it all matters for generations to come. Okay, how do you push play on that? <laughs> it's a video.
has one of the songs my dad wanted sung at his memorial service, It Is Not Death to Die. Now all of us are still in the middle of our story. Our story and our loved ones' stories. And we don't know how it's going to all turn out, but we do know that we are called to walk with Jesus now wherever we are. That our story goes on forever and that it matters. Holding our space and walking forward with Jesus in our stories all the way to our last breath. Whoops. <laughs> all the way to our last breath. It's possible. It's wonderful. It's honorable. And it's worthy. In the poem I read earlier, it ended with these lines about Jesus. He's not going anywhere, not without you. And as we close our time in these verses, I would like us to think about us not going anywhere without Jesus. Because he's with us in the suffering. He's with us in the shaken and the scary. He's even with us in the scattered and messing around. He's with us in the space he's called us to and in our stories. But we do have freedom to choose. And as we think about the Lord directing our hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance, I'll read you a poem I wrote called, We Stay. We stay on the planet, called to live here. Time short and precious, our lifespan is dear. We stay in these bodies, created by God, vessel and temple, dust and blood-bought. We stay in our family, covenant-bound, learning to love well with integrity found. We stay in community, dear bride of Christ, persevering, forgiving, for her beauty we fight. We stay in the kingdom on earth as in heaven, our stories proclaiming true life is in him. We stay through the challenge, the hurt, and the loss. Our eyes fixed on Jesus, we take up our cross. We stay not alone, for the Spirit has come. His breath is our guide, and our hearts are his home. We stay all the way until it is our day when God calls us to glory and says to us, stay. I'd like the worship team to come up now, which thank you for that music. It's amazing. Um, I'm going to pray. And I'll leave you with this. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Let's pray. Well, Lord, thank you that you're walking with us right now in our stories, that you're not far off, that you're not frustrated, that you love us so much, so much more than we could even imagine. And that you can make it possible for us to take our next step on the path of righteousness for your namesake. So whatever it is that we need to follow you in, hear you on, I don't know, but you do. So we're just asking you to let us feel your closeness, to help us walk in your love. 
and help us, Jesus, persevere all the way with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus.